why not just use the uh, the intro music and then we'll just start right into uh, into the intro and then TMNT mentions. I'm your host, Desmond. Desi is dead. Robinson with who you just heard a couple of seconds ago, the Damon Lama writer, Christian Ventura. What's up, everybody? And on this turtle-tastic episode team of the Giant Kachibut Robot, we will be reviewing the Team and Team movies throughout the throughout this month of October. I know you're thinking, this is the Halloween month. Why are you reviewing the Team and Team movies? Because one. We threw out the window of doing a movie a day, a horror movie a day. Because that was, even though it was going to be fun, also going to be very, very extremely time consuming. Very much so. And two, fucking DC Universe got rid of all, damn near all of their DC animated movies. And barely any of them are HBO Max. So we threw that shit right out the window. Yep, but what we can definitely watch is the entirety of uh, the TMNT franchise, the live-action franchise, as well as the uh, spiritual fourth successor. Yep, but we are going to do a Halloween episode, and Halloween falls on a Saturday, which is a first in a long time. Ooh, and such a waste. (laughs) So, you're going to get a special Halloween episode on that Saturday. We ain't going to waste it. We're not going to waste it. No, we're going to record it. And we're gonna upload it on a Saturday. Normal because I don't care what y'all say. Halloween is canceled. So yeah. if you're running around for Halloween as dressed as a turtle, as you should be, do trick or treating at home. That is my that is my advice for people. Do trick or treating at home. Get your friends who you social distance with, or you have their asses outside. You got the bags ready to go. You have a sprinkle all around your house. Boom. Trick-or-treating at home. You social distance. Everybody's separate. Booyah. Oh, yeah. I know uh, me and my friends are even uh, thinking about maybe doing a uh, D&D uh, Halloween-themed one-shot, hopefully, on, the, on, on actual Halloween. See? And there you go. There is some awesomeness going around for Halloween. You got something. Me? I'm more likely gonna probably be watching Halloween, the classic. Not well, actually no. I'm gonna watch the um, the new sequel, the 2019 sequel. Oh, okay. I, I might watch that. I know my brother has it. I haven't got to see it, and I um, I'm not big onto like big stabby stabby mutilating horror. It's just like I'm, I'm very specific about horror. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know if I would consider. Would you consider that mutilating? to the later Halloween movies there's a lot of mutilating mm, I guess so and then I did see that that clip that um that good that segment of what happens to that uh crime um crime podcaster oh yeah yeah <laughs> you shouldn't yeah. you shouldn't fuck with them you shouldn't have fuck with Jason <laughs> no no not Jason Michael Jason Michael Myers Michael Myers. yeah Jason Jason is Friday the 13th Michael Myers is Halloween. Jesus right. Christ. Inter-fucking-changeable. Alright? <laughs> white men who can't die in white masks. One's in a, in a suburban neighborhood. One is in Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> I keep I keep fucking forgetting. I'm gonna have the... You know what? That's my new tattoo idea. Oh, what's your new... What? what? Michael Myers equal Halloween. Jason equal Friday the 13th. 
<laughs> Just so that we'll never forget it I again. We'll never fucking forget. And then, then people will know those are my two favorite Halloween movies. My two favorite um, horror movies. Not a bad idea. Jason X is the best horror movie of all fucking time. Jason X? It is fucking funny. <laughs> it is funny as fuck. You cannot yeah, be but... scared of that movie whatsoever. That's true, but then would you really classify it as the best horror movie if it's like mainly funny? Yes, because I don't give a fuck. We we cause a controversy <laughs> today. All right, we cause a, we cause a controversy. One, we're gonna get to the TMT review. All right, because it's gonna be short and quick. So we're getting you all this rigmarole, and with that, catch the giant contraband robot on SoundCloud and on Spotify, preferably SoundCloud. I mean Spotify, so we actually know you're listening. We like we love those metrics because we're gonna get those metrics sometime in November. Ooh, hopefully. Two. We have a special The Giant Contra Robot Podcast this coming Monday with me and my former podcasting partner, Leray Montez Williams. We get to find out what he's been doing um, since leaving Nerds Against the World right off the bat of the revival. This episode will be this coming Wednesday, our first Team NT review. And nothing for Friday. <laughs> <laughs> nothing for Friday. I was about to say Friday. No, no, nothing for Friday. But the season four of Artist Talk may be coming sooner than later. Really? Uh, the reason why? Because one, we did a political, uh, uh, somewhat with the last episode, uh, recent recording. We did a, we talked a little bit about politics, and some of Trump did come up because he's going to, he always going to come up, and the artist. That was the artist's uh, point of reference from the beginning of Trump's um, election to where we at now. So he his art has evolved um, in terms of politics and nature as well. So it'd be, I'd be remiss by posting his episode in 2021, and we don't even fucking know if him or Biden won. That's the that is the thing. So I might bump up the season four of Artist Talk to November as opposed to. Um, January. Mm, okay, for the relevance. Got you. For the relevance. So, with all that said and done, we're going to switch up how we're going to review TMNT and review. What's going to be different from the DC films that we reviewed to here. On the other ones, we did the plot, the trivia, who made the film. Now, we're going to do, still going to do the trivia. We're still going to do who made the film and who also are in the film. But we're not going to do the plot because, one, you already know the plot. Two, I'm not an actor. I'm not going to read I'm, I'm not, I'm not yeah, read that shit. We're not, we're not worried about uh, re, uh, basically retelling you a story that at this point is, what, literally 30 years old now? Yes. Very much so. <laughs> and, <laughs> Four, and then finally, four, which is like the turtles. By the way, just in case, spoiler warning. No. For whatever reason, just in case. No, we're going to bump that. No spoiler warning. Now, we're still going to keep with no future spoilers. But, also, y'all had between 1990 to now. I, I was, what, what was it, 85? Five years old when I saw this movie. I'm thir- so it's been legit 30 years. I'm 35 now. I think I was too. Like, the first time I remember watching this. So, y'all had 30 years. 30 fucking years to see this movie. 
like Blade Runner. I have yet to see, to sit down and watch Blade Runner. Do I have it in my Blu-ray collection? Yes. Am I going to bitch about spoilers on that one? No. Have I got spoiled about the movie? Yes. Did I bitch? No. Because I had 30, well, Blade Runner came out, I want to say 85. So about, Blade Runner is about 35 to 40 years old. I'm not going to bitch about Blade Runner. <laughs> about getting spoiled on a movie that's that old. Yeah. Now 2049. All right, yes, we're going to we're going to because I do own it. I do own it and that's still technically fresh. Super fresh. Except for the fact that someone spoiled that Anna de Armas get nude in the movie, so I'm like, you took the joy out of that. <laughs> And plus, I'm also thinking, replicants can have sex? <laughs> I'm just like, wait a minute, replicants can have That made me like, all right, I'm going to need to watch the movie. Because I'm thinking replicant. I'm watching like movies with robots and shit. Like, perfect example. They can replicate? No, well, Android 18. It was no, 18. Sam, was a, Android 16. 18 was the was the, the female one. Okay, 18, all right, I was right the first time. She's technically an android, but she's still technically a replicant. But she ended up having a child with Krillin. That's and that's now that's anime. But we're going now. I've been rewatching Star Trek. I already finished the first season within a week. Okay. I finished the first season within a week. You're talking about the next generation. Next generation. Um, there was an episode that Data, who was an android, had, even though the crew he was unaffected and the crew was affected with this um this virus that made them do things. Um, the security um, officer had sex with Data, and I'm like, "Yes, he's trying to be human, and he did say he's anatomically correct as a male." But normally, we have to be stimulated to actually perform that action. Right. So it's like, it's Dan. This is that question. Then it's like. Do androids like like if they can if they have the ability to like think in that way like? Hence why, I don't know. Hence why I, know. I was like when I was spoiled that Anna de Armas was a replicant. Then I was like, was a ro- I think she's a robot. I think like if I remember, I think Mackenzie Davis was the replicant, but Anna de Armas wanted to experience sex. But I'm like, all right, I'm still thinking. I still at the core of it. This is an AI, and then you still have a, an actual android, a robot, a replicant, whatever you want to call it. Can they have sex? Like, well, I mean, where's, wasn't the, the, where's, the, where's the thought coming in, process coming in for that? Well, I mean, I think that was also kind of the point, right? Like, how how could you tell the difference between a replicant and a human when a replicant so closely mirrors that it even like it even has those kinds of emotions, regardless of whether it can or can't. You know what I mean? We're gonna have to do a whole episode on like Asimov's theory. We're gonna have to w- watch Blade Runner and Blade Runner um, twenty forty nine. And I think as a companion piece to it, iRobot. It's not a bad idea. Not at all. I'm telling you. Maybe we should. Maybe we should do that as something like uh, a a watch podcast before we play Cyberpunk. Yes, because I'm like, even <laughs> even with Cyberpunk, I mean, I'm telling you, we we. We, this is what this is what Ninja Turtles do to you. You start thinking about other things that's connected to the turtles. 
Like seriously, there are cybernetics not well not in these movies, which is unfortunate. Um, they don't go into that sweaty nerdy goodness of the TMT lore. Um, well, keep it keep in mind they didn't have that much tech at the time. That like is, when that is that is also when true. the movie was made. That is that is also true. Um, but they did go into the science though. Like, they did. They went into the science. Oh man, I'm telling you. The best time for movies. Nineteen seventy nine. I'm going. I'm start. I'm starting it off. Seventy nine. Star Wars and Superman. Nineteen ninety. TMT. In between those time, you had back Batman, Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, the rest of the Star Wars trilogy, um, trilogy original trilogy, Star Trek: The Next Generation, all five of the original Star Trek movies. Oh my god. Dude, do you remember the, the, um, I, I'm trying to remember what year it came out, but one of the really old Supergirl movies, the, the 1984 one. I, I know what you're talking about, Linda, uh, not Linda Hamilton, um, uh, oh, fuck, Helen Slater. Yes. Yeah, I know, and she's on, um, she's on Supergirl as Supergirl's Earth Mom. Oh my god, really? Yeah. Nice. But yeah, like I remember <laughs> I remember this one was one that I would constantly be watching and gave me like a good idea of like what I like kind of what I liked from movies from the 1980s. <laughs> and then we can't forget about one of the best 1980s films, Die Hard. Of course, Die Hard, one of the most underrated Christmas movies in existence. <laughs> the most debated <laughs> because Everybody was like, it came out in July. True. But it's set it during Christmas. Thank you. It is like, still a de facto Christmas movie. Yeah, it's like, it doesn't have to have come out during Christmas time, because then think about it this way, then technically a lot of horror movies, regardless of whether or not they're Christmas related, are Christmas movies. Yeah, there you go. Because they came out in wintertime. Like, that's, a, that's not what you would apply to that. Ah. <sighs> Now let's get right into our team and team review. As always, we're going to start off with a bit of info. Team and was made. Hold on, I had it. I, I always keep doing that to myself. Uh, I suck. <laughs> All right. The movie came out March thirtieth, nineteen ninety. Is is gross box office in the U.S. was one hundred and thirty-five, two hundred and seventy million. With over 200 million worldwide, is the highest grossing independent film of all of of its time. Is this was technically labeled as an independent movie? Why it didn't uh, get funding from any production house? This was done through New Line Cinema. New Line Cinema was still technically new at the time as well. Oh damn! Um, and that wow, there was a time New Line was considered independent. That's right. Um, his budget was thirteen million five hundred thousand dollars. It was the director was Steve Barron, and it starred. All right, here we go. Judith Hogue as April O'Neil, Elias Cotis as Casey Jones, Charles Pennington. Sorry, let me, I got that reversed. Jay Patterson as Charles Pennington. Raymond Serra, Serrer, you know what? He was chief. 
fuck. <laughs> Stearns. He was a chief. He was a chief. He was Chief Stearns. Michael Turney was Danny Pennington. Um, Leif Tide Tilden was the suit actor for Donatello. 80s superstar and teen beat cover artist Corey Feldman was the voice of Donatello. Um, Brian Tucci was the voice of Leonardo, while David Foreman was the motion, was the motion capture actor for him. Um, Michael um, Michelin City City, bruh, I just mispronounced your last name. Was the motion capture suit for Mikey and Robbie Sis Wrist was the voice actor. Um, for Raphael, Josh Pice was not only the voice, but also the suit actor for Raphael. As Orokusaki um, slash the Shredder, James Saito was um, in the physical suit, while David McSharn was the actor. Well, the voice actor. Kevin Clash, former voice of Elmo, was the voice of Splinter. Oh, damn. So this the same guy as, oh okay yeah I think I remember that guy. I'm trying to picture his mind, uh, his face in my mind right now. African American gentleman. Yes, 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 yes. Yep. Okay, yeah, it is who I'm thinking of. And um, back in 2014, if I remember, um, some some things came out about one Kevin Clash, and let's just say he's no longer the voice or puppeteer of Elmo. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, so this is technically tainted. So we're just going to mention he was the fact that he was um, Master Splinter. Okay. Tatsu um, Toshihiro Shiro Obata was the physical actor, while Michael McConaughey was the voice actor. I'm sorry, bro. Yeah, because there's no way that was the same dude for both. <laughs> yeah, nope. <laughs> uh, minor characters. Kevin Eastman had an unaccredited um, cameo. Um, Yamato Yoshi was also had a cameo, but only in the flashbacks. Uh, Sam Rockwell. If y'all did not notice Sam, teenage Sam Rockwell in this. I movie. know, dude. When I saw it, I completely forgot about it until I saw him, and I was like, "Damn!" Uh, another teenage actor who's now real big, and he's also in Riverdale. That is your trivia, Christian. He's in Riverdale as a father. But in this movie, he was a teen. Who was the actor? Oh, um, what's his name? Oh my God, why am I forgetting his name? Wait, is it um, is it the one that just passed away not too long ago? Wrong. It is not oh, okay. Oh, okay. I know who it is then. Skeet Ulrich. Ah. Who? Skeet Ulrich. Yeah, yeah. He was a thug in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And he plays Jughead's father. And I believe yep. a policeman now in Riverdale? Yep, he, he's the sheriff, I think, How currently. in the fuck? Someone goes from an ex-con to a sheriff. All right, that's our time. Um, How? It, I mean, the way they explain it in the show is so fucking weird. Because <laughs> the show is entirely fucking weird. I, told, I, I, I said it since season one. It's trash. Oh, no, no, no. It's complete trash. Like, don't get me wrong. It's complete trash. But you watch it for the trashy campiness until it gets overly trashy campy. Like, I, like um, when I was watching it with uh, with our friend Jenny, right? Mm -hmm. there, the, we now look back at it and we make the joke where it's like, remember when Riverdale used to just be about a murder? 
<laughs> and here's the thing. It would have been proper if Riverdale was... I, I know people are like, we don't need that Archie. It would have been better if y'all would have ripped off how Archie was in the comics. I mean, come on. At least, yeah. at least Sabrina is tied to her comic book. Well, the new adventures, is, the more horror tinge of Sabrina is matching her show. And the show is matching oh, yeah. the comic. And I'm still like I'm still upset that they're only getting one more season, but I'm not gonna lie, I kinda get it. But <laughs> but also you don't want it to oversaturate like Yeah, and it kinda felt like that going into like season two already felt like it was kind of missing something just because I feel like they kind of gave away their main their main like uh plot arc too early. They concluded it too early in season one. Where I feel like that probably should have been something that they left open-ended like for the duration of the entire series mm -hmm. like i think they were trying to follow very heavily like they i think this is an example of they tried to follow the comic a little way too hard but because of that they closed one of their most interesting like largest story points very quickly and like the rest of the season at least in season two felt like it was trying to find its footing again and by season three it's just like ah oh, man like you're you're enjoying certain things of it but the actual plot is kind of getting uh, very, very dependent on side characters. Unfortunately, you know what I mean. Where it's like you're trying to get you're trying to get side quests from side characters in a certain way, and it doesn't it doesn't match the same energy that it had from like the first season. So I, like I said, I get why they're they're only getting one more. But I feel like if they had had a more maybe more time to develop the seasons, because I think it might have also been like a time thing then maybe they would have been able to like um you know fully stretch out what what the story had to offer even though i started this let's stay on target sorry my bad <laughs> <laughs> all right um should you look minor characters are done all right <laughs> bit of... my bad <laughs> you good bit of trivia all four actors who played the turtles appeared in cameos as minor characters throughout the film. David Foreman, Leonardo, was a gang member. Michael Sisti, um, Michelangelo, was the pizza delivery man who was arg technically arguing with himself. <laughs> awesome. Um, Leave Tilden, Donatello, was a passenger of the foot, um, was a messenger of the foot, um, of the foot ninja. And Jason Pies, Raphael, was a passenger in the taxi cab. Oh, like the one that Raphael flips over? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what was that? Josh, I, I keep on saying Jason. My bad. <laughs> um, Josh, who also portrayed um, Raphael, is the only actor to portray a turtle on the screen and provide his voice. Although he, he along with Corey Feldman, didn't reprise their roles in Cigarette in the Ooze, Corey did return for the third film, though Pies was once more replaced that time by Tim Keller. Okay. That is your only future spoiler for this movie. Huh. It did seem like there was sometimes where like their voices sounded different, but I didn't realize it was two. It was both of them, like voicing. Yeah, um, but he did do. He was in the suit for those two movies. He just wasn't the voice. Right. Right. So for better clarification for those who are listening to this on the playback. Now, for trivia. For trivia. 
Robin Williams, who is a big comic book fan, especially the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, he provided Judith Hogue with the information regarding her character through his comic book collection. <laughs> so he explained April O'Neil to her? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Now, the, the controversy regarding her not returning to play April O'Neil. This one, it's like, it's kind of like, really? That's your fucking reason to, like, not bring her back? Hogue was not... Was 1990. Yeah. Hogue was not asked to reprise her role as April O'Neil in the film's sequels due to her own personal complaining, particularly about the six-day shooting schedule and the amount of violence in the movie. Oh, wait, what? Yep. But, I mean... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, in the way, they was replicating the violence from the 1984 book and a little bit of history on that. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja... It was actually titled Eastman and Laird's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, from It was published by Mirage Studios since, the May, since May of 1984. So they old. They are a year older than me. So they're thirty. Damn. Okay. There's thirty six. <laughs> so that's when the the comics started being published. Yes, it was originally conceived by Eastman and Laird as a one off parody. The comic popularity has gone to inspire a pop culture franchise, which include television series, six feature films, and numerous video games and a wide range of merchandise. The concept originally came from um, a casual brainstorming between Eastman, um, Kevin Eastman, who drew a picture of a turtle with a ninjaku strapped to his arms. Lair thought of a slow turtle as a ninja was very funny. Eventually, they created <laughs> the turtle, the four, the team turtles, specializing in different weapons. Using a tax refund and a loan from Eastman's uncle, they formed the Mirage Studios and published a single-issue comic book that would parody Daredevil, Ronin. X-Men and the New Mutants. That was their inspirations. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's amazing. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the traffic um, the traffic accident and the truck carrying the radioactive waste that caused the turtles mutation was um, an allusion to Daredevil's origin. Right. So It's supposed to be the same thing that like blinds him and gives him his like hypersensitive uh, like other senses, right? Yeah. The name Splinter is a parody of Daredevil's master, Stick. And also the foot is a parody of the ninja clan, The Hand. <laughs> so they're heavily, they're been, they've been heavily influenced by Daredevil. Wow. Wait, I didn't put that... I didn't put the, the foot and the hand thing together. Yeah. <laughs> In the series, the turtles' bandanas are colored red, and the turtles could usually only be um, distinguished by their weapons. Um, their names of address and sometimes by their personalities. Different color bandanas did not appear until the, like I said before, the 1987 TV series. When they colorized. Yep. Becoming the norm in other incarnations that would follow suit. Most other incarnations of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to follow the Mirage version will be lighter in tone and target younger audiences. Over the years, the Ninja Turtles would cross over with other successful independent comic books like um, David Sims' Cerberus, Eric Larson's Savage Dragon. I do remember that comic. I remember Savage Dragon. And, Savage, hmm. and I, if I remember correctly, Savage Dragon ended its run recently. 
Okay, yeah, I, I'm actually not familiar with that one. Um, you're gonna. There's a mighty big fucking spoiler with Savage Dragon, and I'm not gonna say it. It it will oh. derail you from ever wanting to read the comic. Okay. It, it's 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 really good. Um, okay. And Bob Burden's The Flaming Carrot. You heard that right. <laughs> the, the Flaming Carrot. And then Stan Sakai's Usagi Ujimbo, which will have an animated series at some point in the next two to three years on Netflix. Oh, damn. And I actually wanted to go back and rewatch a lot of the Yojimbo stuff because it's on uh, HBO Max. Yep. Um, in 2009, Laird sold the Turtles to Viacom, um, the parent company of Nickelodeon. And at WonderCon 2011, it was announced that IDW Publishing had secured the rights to publish a new series and reprint the older comics. Um, and I want to say some point in 2000. Uh, fuck. It's it's been a minute, but I want to say we're like sometime 2012, 13. Um, Kevin Eastman got the comic rights back, and for the last seven years, he's been writing the new Team T comic books. And oh damn! There's a lot that has happened in this comic book series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. I'll tell you this. People die. They die. <laughs> and some do come back. I was going to say that. Um, the four main turtles do get affected to some things. Um, emotionally, physically, you'll see it um, in the comic. And there's, okay. and there's an end up recently of last year. There's a new turtle in the scene. Right. Yes, I've heard of, uh, I've heard of this. The first female turtle, right? Yeah. Well... Comic book wise, yes. Canonically, um, unofficially, she's technically the second. Yeah, unofficial. Like, wasn't there one? I don't remember her name, but that was like part of the part of one of the series. Like, I'm pretty sure like she was also in like the Power Rangers crossover. Or something? Yep, Venus. There it is. We don't talk about the next mutate team until the next mutation. We don't talk about that here. <laughs> we don't talk about that here. <laughs> Oh, we don't talk about that here. <laughs> well, what we are talking about, though, is the hilarity that was the 1998 TMNT. <laughs> yeah. So now back to Le Chivrio. Now, April being a news reporter, the turtles say Cowabunga, um, Michelangelo's surfer accent and their love for pizza and the multicolored bandanas, like we said before, have, uh, was originated from the, um, the 87 cartoon. The overall plot, meanwhile, is adapted from Mirage issue one through three. Me, myself, and I. What goes around comes around. Silent partner, true stories, and return to New York arcs. So that is what the movie is based off of. Okay, so they took from a lot of different storylines in that. Yep. Okay. Um, and what goes around comes around. Leonardo fights the foot outnumbered, but in the film, it is Raphael in his place. Um, who gets outnumbered and who gets trapped and thrown through a skylight in the window leading to the turtles fleeing from fleeing the city. Right. So that is the difference between the comic book and the movie. It's Leo and Raph flipped. Okay. Um, some of the Foot Clan in April's apartment were brutally burned to death in the fire. I was wondering that. <laughs> so there you go. It's, it, it's like... confirmed. <laughs> 
They did. Like, what happened to the dudes that, like, got knocked out when the thing, like, started <laughs> going up? Oh, yeah, they did. They they dead, dead. <laughs> um, the edge of the backdrop is visible and when Shredder is running towards Splinter with his staff. The turtles, canonically, are 15 years old in this movie. Yep, he, he named it. Um, Judith Hogue will later be replaced by Paige Torco. I can never pronounce her last name. Um, for the role of April in the second and third movie. When Splinter throws Shredder off the roof, a man's head is seen holding up Splinter uh, from behind, and in order, uh, in other scenes, human hands are seen around the turtles. Like when Mikey puts his head um, in his shell, there are hands holding up his arms. Or when Donnie is skateboarding through the sewers, you can see a hand swinging across when he's moving. <laughs> it's the puppeteers. It's the puppeteers. That's awesome. Um, when Donatello is laughing at Leo, Raph hugging in the bathroom, you can see an actor's mouth when he leans back and op- um, while opening his mouth. Michelangelo's neck is torn when he turns to the side and punches a foot, uh, foot ninja after putting his head in his shell. <laughs> yeah. When Raph oh is, is falling into the antique shop, human hands are seen instead of Raphael's hands. Now... <laughs> I read the trivia and then went back to watch the movie and I can now see it. Nice. Yeah, no, I didn't catch a lot of that, actually. So it's like, mother fuck. It must have been then those moments that are like so quick. If you're not paying attention to that spot, you're not going to see it. Yeah, essentially. I'm like, you know, it's 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 a movie of its time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's oh, for sure. You know, you know what signaled that to me? Um, remember uh, uh, Shredder appearing over the blue fire? Mm-hmm. I was just like, "Oh, they did so. They did. They did this practically. Like that. That is not a digital effect. That's like a film trick." Basically, Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, in Turtle Power, one of the songs from the soundtrack, Raphael is mistakenly mentioned as leader of the group. Ironically enough, though, this is the case in the Nickelodeon series. Rise of the Ninja Turtles, the recent one that's out right now. Oh, okay. The hyper-stylized Ninja Turtles series. Right. I'm not going to complain. That is definitely for children. <laughs> and, but it's doing, uh, it's doing very well, and Ben Schwartz is once again a blue-colored um, animal. He went from Sonic. Actually, technically, he went from Leonardo to Sonic. So, make of that what you want. Oh, and um, I think he's... No, Dewey is green. Huey, no, Huey's green. Dewey, Louie, and Huey. He has to be Louie. Louie's blue. He's always a fucking animal with the color blue. (laughs) I think, yeah, Louie is blue. Is he getting typecast for blue roles? Probably. And he's loving it, though. He wants to be, now he wants to be Mega Man. (laughs) You know, I could, I could see that. The voice of Mega Man. I mean, if he does a voice specifically, not his voice, but if he like puts on a voice, I could see that. I don't. When I see Mega Man, I don't hear a squeaky person. I hear someone like when I see Mega Man, I see a semi. I've never seen Mega Man joke as jokey jokey. Never did. And the only reason why he became jokey jokey was the 1992 once lasted one season um, Mega Man series. Like, yeah. 
Like I never seen him as jokey jokey. Hmm. Well, that's what I mean. Like it doesn't have to be jokey jokey. But I I I I don't know if he could put on like a not squeaky voice. If he could just like lower an octave or two, and he's like actually delivering his lines, not jokey jokey. I think he could do it. Look at Ducktales, Sonic the Hedgehog, and Turtles. Okay. He is jokey jokey. And all of it. He, he, he Ben Schwartzman cannot cannot lose that. Like Leonardo, I don't think of him as jokey jokey. But he's no, like, Leon's he's, definitely not. But now he's a jokey jokey character. It's because mm. of Ben Schwartz. <laughs> all right, stay on target. Um, the creators of the movie. Um, actually, hold on. Oh, there we go. I, I lost my I lost my place. Bringing Splinter to life was a three man job. Given the turtles, um, a, a, given the turtles' rest since a sense of life wasn't any easy task and required the use of three puppeteers, including Elmo pup, a puppeteer Kevin Clash, who provided Splinter's voice, which we mentioned <laughs> before. Yeah. The creators of the movie filmed it um, at North Carolina Studios and on, and on location throughout New York. Some of the places in the movie were created, such as April's house. Um, Casey I mean, I would hope they didn't burn down a building. <laughs> um, Casey and Raphael's battle in the park, which is something that happened in the original Turtles comic books, um, comics, um, Raphael issue, my, me, myself, and I, Casey Jones had no backstory in the film like he does in some other versions of the comics. But he does tell Avery he used to play sports professionally before he got hurt less than a year ago. Um, April also mentions to the Turtles that the antique shop used to be her father's and that he loved junk. She says he's kind of dumb to lose money on a business because you miss your, um, you miss your father. Donatello <laughs> says to her, no, it isn't. April's father might have recently died or simply moved away to someplace else. Mm-hmm. I believe the more dying part than moving somewhere else. Cause you, just because you lost the business, your daughter is still living who has money. Is now living on top of said business. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. And then other iterations, April Father is actually alive. Okay. Um, but in this one, I would say he's dead. Like I, the way she was even talking about it, or the way at least the lines were delivered, it leads you to it alludes to him being like dead. dead. Yeah, like past tense. Like you hear her talk is in the past tense. You're not gonna talk about someone in the past tense if they moved away. Yeah. Um, Splinter's clothes were um, are torn and beaten down, unlike the other versions of Splinter. That one I never got. I was like, yeah, other versions of Splinter, he, he's clean, cut, dressed. Here, nah, he's a rat. We're gonna make him dress like a rat. I guess they were going off with like he wouldn't have been able to get like clothes or anything, but it's like he he could have. Yeah. Like, he's, like, getting intelligent and smart. Like, he could get fucking clean clothes or semi, like, not tattered clothes. Like, look at Tobu. Um, fucking, um, pretty much everything that, um, um, Shredder's right-hand man was wearing, that is what Splinter wears. Yeah. Like, uh, whatever. (laughs) April mentions, um, also mentions to the Turtles. Wait, no, I already read that. Um, when the Turtles are fighting the Foot Ninjas in the streets... You can see a building with the words M-M-I-X on it. I don't know the... I think it has to do with the Roman numeral. Yeah, M-M-I-X. What is that? That's... I think that's 1990. No. 
I'm not good with Roman numerals. Like legit. No, because I because I X would indicate nine. And I'm just trying to remember what what MM is. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't either. Um, Donatello and Michelangelo perform a shell bash shell bash twice in the movie. Not good. Oh, nice. Um, Michelangelo nunchucks are brown and have a rope instead of a chain like in other depictions. By the way, MMIX would be 2009. For some reason. But I don't I did not would I don't get the reference to MM. Yeah. I I don't Yeah, that I means, don't think that should have been anything then specific. <laughs> yeah. Um Inside of Shredder's lair, you can see a box with the words Archie Comics on it when it's clo- when it's close to the part when a young boy is skating on a skate ramp. Inside um, the turtle's home, you can see a clock, a stove, a small picture of Japanese words, and a punching bag along with other things in the background. It's possible that the turtles got their couch stove from the junkyard and had Donatello fix it up. Which oh. makes sense. Yeah. Um, director Steve Barron also has directed a number of music videos, um, such as Michael Jackson, ZZ Top, Brian Adams, and had um, a few feature films under his belt. Raphael, Raphael watches the film Critters while having while leaving the lair, um, trouble the loss of his son. That one makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, like when he leaves the the theater, right? Yeah. Um. Oh, now I get the reference. The side that he loses is the side that he's picking his teeth with. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> he always said damn to the whole fucking movie. So, yes, I learned how to say damn because of Dr. Raphael. Um, this one bothered people. I don't know why. Instead of Michelangelo, Donatello is the main skateboarder of the brothers. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> um, the footage from the movie... Like, they all skate technically, though, right? Technically, Mikey's more of the skater, but they can skate. Um, footage from the movie also used the intros for the Red Skies seasons of the 1987 series mixed in with the long from the footage from the show. <laughs> um, actor Jason Pies had anxiety about wearing his mask. Um, the actor was the only one to provide his um, provide his own character voice, but wasn't a fan of wearing the turtle's mask because of the se- sh- severe claustrophobia. Mm, oh, that's got a oh wow! For somebody with claustrophobia to do that, eh, didn't that didn't that give credence why he was probably. You know what? Then I take the he even I think he came back as a stunt. I think he came back as the stunt performer for the other two movies, but it was another motion capture actor for Raphael in those last two movies. Oh, maybe because his his severe claustrophobia, he would immediately immediately remove his mask after every cut. Huh. Oh, that's too bad. Um. The costumes were incredibly hot and way too big, and they always fell apart. Hence why the Mikey um, um, mask was torn and why you see people's hands everywhere. Yeah, that makes sense. You can. I, I was even thinking that during the fight scenes, I'm like, how durable were those costumes? And if anything, how many repairs or how many sets of costumes did they have to go through? Because yeah. um, there's no way they're doing flips and shit like that comfortably. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. 
And that's and plus the stuntmen have to do all that. Yeah. Uh, like that's hard work. That's legitimately hard work. The costumes had nearly sixty pounds of animatronics inside them. So this, coupled with the summer of North Carolina humidity, humidity caused each of the actors to lose almost twenty pounds. Just from pure sweat loss. Yep. Damn. The costumes also didn't hold up well. Um, that well and took a lot of water a wear and tear replacement limbs were kept on supply so they can be stitched and with um switched out when needed mm-hmm. besides being hot heavy and prone to damage the turtles costume was also too big to fit in a manhole forcing producers to um have custom manholes built oh that were like larger and shit yeah Huh. For a time, it was the highest-grossing indie film. Not even the big, bad studios of Hollywood could stop the wave of the turtle power. And the turtles were making a lot of money. In 1990, at the time of release, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was the second-highest-grossing indie film ever, um, ranking in, like we said, um, $201 million in the box office. The turtle crown was lost a few years later by, guess what, Quentin Tarantino movie. How many years later? About four years later. 1994. Would that be Kill Bill? Kill Bill came out in, 2000, in the 2000s. No, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. No. Oh, um, oh, which one came out in 94 specifically? Was it... Was it Pulp Fiction? Oh, was it Pulp you got Fiction? It. You got it. You got oh, there you go. Awesome. Okay, yeah, Pulp Fiction. Because I'm like, no, because I was thinking Reservoir Dogs, and I'm like, no, that's still earlier than 94. Pulp Fiction raised, passed it by making over $213 million. Damn. Okay, so it, it had passed it, but not by a lot. Yep. But then there's also a connector to, uh, to Quentin Tarantino, actually. Really? Yep. Let me find it because I had it. Editor, <laughs> um, editor of the movie, Sally Minky, pr- primarily known with um, collaborating with Quentin Tarantino, made her feature film debut working on this movie. Oh wow, interesting. And she went on to be a uh, frequent collaborator with Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> See, and they say like, oh, well, what are you gonna, what are you gonna gain from doing a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? Uh, but hey, it's who you work with, it's who you know. Yep. So here is the uh, one of the other reasons why um, Jennifer Ho was not um, included in the next movies. She wasn't a fan of the movie when it came out. The actress said that she enjoyed making the film, but there were uh, there was a mystical through line with the turtles that was cut, and she wasn't happy about it. But one of the producers called those parts fluff and said that all kind ki- all the kids wanted to see all the kids just wanted to see was the fighting. She disagreed with him, and then um, I disagree with him. Now <laughs> she still disagreed with them, and I nah. and, and part of it it was in there when they um when it was meditating and they um got the connect with Splinter, so it was there, but they took everything else out. Oh, okay. Um, she said the pri- this was the primary reason that Hulk did not reprise the role in Secret of the Ooze. Well, that and the money. Um, she wanted um. She wanted the fluff back in the script, and I wanted conditions on the set to improve. I also wanted a raise. And they said, fuck you, you're not coming back. So that shows... Sounds very Hollywood. Yep, and it shows that women were, oh, as always, disrespected on set. 
Yeah. Um, Kevin, e- um, no, 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 I'm jumping ahead. Sam Rockwell gave a shout out to the comic book creators when Rockwell's character tells the police to go check out East Warehouse over at Lairman's Island. This is a nod to the comic book creators Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. Ha! Nice. Also, another person who wasn't happy about the violence. Jim Henson, who was the puppeteer. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. He wasn't happy with the violence in the movie. Henson Creature Shop did all the turtle costumes using some of the most advanced technology at the time. Despite the success of his company's reptilian creations, Henson was reportedly unhappy with the film finished product, viewing the violence as excessive, pointless, and not his style. Yeah, that's why uh, that what was it that that movie that came out not too long ago from the Jensen uh, the Jensen Production House? Dark Crystal. No, 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 no. Um, it was one that came out in theaters that was like a it was like a cop movie. But with puppets or something? Oh, that was, not, that was like, not, that's not, I think it was his son. It was his daughter. But that's what I mean. That's that's my point. That movie would not have been made if he was still alive. True. <laughs> um, the alternate ending um, included April Pitch in the comic book, and an alternate ending was filmed, but cut from the movie that included April and Danny pitching their story about the turtles to a comic book publisher. The publisher dismisses the idea of that being far-fetched as the turtles watch from outside his window. <laughs> I would have loved that one as a kid. Yeah, that would have been really funny. Um, let's see, where are we at at time? Oh, we're doing, we're doing good at time. We're, we're almost at what we should be doing by this point. Um, looking for some other tasty morsels that you probably like. Oh, yeah, we're. Mm-hmm. Um, this one's kind of a sad one. Um, this is the last theatrical film that Jim Henson was associated with. He died about a month and a half after the movie's release. Oh, that's too bad. He died of pneumonia, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Dang. And that is it. There's there's so much. There's, <laughs> we'll, we'll, oh, oh, I, got, I got this one. All right, we'll do this one. Okay. Corey Feldman said he was offered only $1,500 to do the voice work for the film. Corey accepted, believing that the producers who told him that this was the only small, low-budget independent film, hoping that it would have moderate success on VHS. If they were lucky, the movie ended up making millions of dollars at the box office. Hence why, when it came to the sequel, he asked for more. They said no. Yeah, they were like, no, this is what we paid you last time. Um, oh shit, I totally forgot about this fucking part. Johnny Depp, Keanu Reeves, Christian Slater, Lou Diamond Phillips, Emilio Estevez, Keith Sutherland, Jason Patrick, Brian Austin Green, Alex Winter, Gary Daniels, and River Phoenix were considered for the role of Casey Jones. Oh, wow. That is a hell of a list. <laughs> oh, by the way. Also, <laughs> uh, this one is going to blow your mind as well. Okay. Jennifer Beals. Marissa Tomei, Sandra Bullock, Nicole Kidman, Melly Griffith, Sean Young, Lorene Bracco, Renona Ryder, and Brooke Shields were all considered for the role of April O'Neil. Wow, dude. Can you imagine being the casting director retroactively right now? Can you imagine <laughs> any of those actresses be like, Fuck, passed to not get any of them and then also to not get any of the actors for Casey Jones? Out of all of them, I could have pictured Keanu Reeves as Casey. Could you imagine Actually, Keanu Reeves 
and Sandra Bullock doing a reunion from TMNT? Technically, um, Speed would be a reunion. This came out. No, I, that's why I'm laughing. That's exactly why I'm laughing because imagine they had a reunion because of Speed and TMNT. Because I think up until this point, Keanu Reeves hasn't done any action movies, and Point Break wasn't out yet. Up to that point, he hadn't. Yeah, the Point Break, Bram Stoker's Dracula wasn't out yet, so we didn't know uh, that he had this like this, like he had he can do something. He can still be like, how he was in Bill and Ted, but he still has to bring in the action part of it. Yeah, he was still more okay. That makes sense. The that only person. Sense. Oh yeah, because uh, I'm go, sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, to, to also save face a little bit on, like, the casting director there, you also have to look at, like, what every actor's individual careers were like at the time. Yeah, like, the only person, the only people I can legit think of who could have done it, um, Jason Patrick, Kiefer Sutherland, Alex Winter, River Phoenix, and Lou Diamond Phillips, um, are, are me, and Emilio Estevez. I would have loved to see Lou Diamond Phillips' take on that. Oh, he would have killed it. He probably would ask, He definitely would ask for more money. That would have been really cool, though. Um, and, he I could, would, and, I could he, and he would have been the first Latin Casey Jones. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Is he? Wait, isn't he half Latin, half Native American, though? I believe so. Yeah. There we go. Um, shit. Yeah. And that <laughs> is the tribute for TMNT. I'll let you. I've been talking enough. I'll let you go and what your thoughts on the turtles you know i tried i tried very hard while i was rewatching to make sure that i'm like trying to separate my my nostalgia for it from what i'm watching mm -hmm. but i mean i can't i can't there, there's nostalgia there for sure i i, I really enjoyed i really enjoyed it but rewatching it through the lens that i have now i would say i i would still enjoy it this would still be a movie that i would show people certain certain things are dated obviously but um, but the initial charm of the movie itself is not is not lost. I, I still very much enjoyed the ride that it was, and the choreography itself. Like I, even though some people might say that it's slow, thinking about what the actors had to do in those suits to be able to do those kinds of feats, it's actually really impressive. Like the movie itself and the way that they had planned out the the action, like kind of laid out um interwoven with like the story beats and stuff it's not obviously the massive amount of story that they wanted but for what it was i i very much enjoyed it i would yeah, like if i were giving it on a one to five i'd probably put it i'd say at like a 3.8 what that is that is my that is the rating i always give the dc anime movies this gets a five out of five <laughs> Right okay, so right why why is it a five out of five for you then? As someone who grew up with the tur well, minus the fact that they're a year older than I am. See what I was saying about the the, the nostalgia. Anyway, sorry what? <laughs> minus the nostalgia. Knowing that now, knowing the, looking at the um, the trivia and then going back to seeing the imperfections of the movie. Here's the thing, though, it was of its time. Mm -hmm. This is something that they can totally. You can do the turtles in suits today. There have been plenty of people who have. We're we have the technology now, than the '90s that you can actually put stuntmen and actors, if the actors can do it, in the suits. We don't need the CGI fest that we fucking got with the Michael Bay produced movies. We don't. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. But I get why you didn't do that because you don't want to put the actors in that. But just, just still, you know, we're not gonna talk about those movies. We're gonna stay on target. We're gonna stay on target. Um, <laughs> why is this one five out of five? This five out of five is the fact that this en- enhanced more why I love um, the '90s movie of all. This why is one of my favorite movies. The violence is normal fucking violence. You need like we just listed off seven comic books that uh, that inspired this movie. Yeah, they gave the plot of this movie. You need that violence. You need the the tur- You can't do a turtle. Future spoilers. You can't do a turtle movie where they just fight hand to hand. No. Yeah, you can't fucking do that. Every iteration of the turtle movie, uh, either it's comic books, animation, or a movie. Yes, weapons are a key, but then also it does prove that they doesn't they don't always need their weapons. Yeah. It's like, the hand-to-hand is like, oh, okay, they're prepared for it, but it's not their character. But then on top of that, it's, and it's also a movie of, it's also, like we said, it's a movie of its time, but it also shows it because if they were, if they was made now, yes, you can get away with doing a movie with no weapons, because you, because you have actors or you have stuntmen who are proficient in martial arts. Mm-hmm. So you get to see that. You get to see every turtle different style. And now that we're in an age where we now have, like, there's over, like, hundreds of different martial arts um, styles. You can give each turtle a specific style. And now, every t- now today, each turtle is labeled with a specific martial arts style. With, nin- <laughs> nin- um, with Ninja, um, with Shin- the Way of the Shinobi, is their base, um, is their base style. But they all have their intro, um, individual martial art. Like, we know Leonardo is karate and samurai. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, you plop Leonardo in the middle of Ghost uh, Shishima, he'll fit. Yeah. <laughs> Raph is obviously the ghost. <laughs> right. But, um, I'm staying on target once again. It, it, it fucking, like, besides all his imperfections, um, and behind the scene drama, it it's still like to this day, I don't fast forward any scene. If I'm going to back like the DC films, I fast forward most of those uh, most of the of the movies. Really, I did, and that's where that rating came from. Well, most of those ratings came. From. If I have to fast forward for a scene, that means I can't sit through your movie fully without having to fast forward it. Yeah, this this turtle movie alone, I did not have to fast forward. I rewind. To catch some shit, like seeing the stuntmen, the, the the foot soldiers carrying the actor who's in the rap suit, then <laughs> spiking him through the fucking wind, the sunlight. That yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. They was doing some <laughs> over the top shit, and this is just uh, this was technically filmed in 1988. It started in 1988, and then it finally came out in 90 um, in 1990. So it's a good right. two years. So they've been working on this film for a good two years, and the and and look how the look the turnaround. Eighty four was the comic book. Eighty seven was the animated series. One season of the animated series. Then right around the corner, they went in production for the live action movie. And then technically, two years after, about two to three years after the uh, the introduction of the animated series, boom, we have a live action movie in nineteen. Yeah. That was a that was like tur- that was part of what fueled Turtle Mania, right? Yeah. 
So, and, and let's not forget, James, R.I.P. James Avery is the voice of the OG Shredder. Yup, yup. Uncle Phil as the voice of Shredder, y'all. And he did a great job. He did a hell of a damn good job. And that's why this one gets a 5 out of 5. Future spoilers. TMNT, Secret of the Ooze. You don't go in past four. <laughs> and that is our review. It, it, it is. I I always I always love rewatching this movie. It's um, it's it's my go it's my go to, and I like the fact that it's now being put on streaming sites more and more now, because I I own all three of the movies. It just gives more people more opportunity to watch it if they haven't. Yep. And or then, rediscover it. Look at like the rediscovery of a bunch of shit now because of quarantine. I know. And people complain about, and this is my small tag at the end of this. People complain about fucking violence. Like, you bitch about sex. Yeah, people bitch about sex and violence. And is it the day, is, is, am I desensitized by it? No, because I don't like gore. I mentioned at the start of this episode, I'm not a big fan of overtly gory horror movies mm-hmm. even though yes upgrade is an overtly gory horror movie it made sense though if it makes fucking sense for the narrative then i'm fine with it but if it's just violent for violence sake no mm-hmm. like the turtles movie this turtles movie it's not violent for violence sake there is was going to be no peaceful resolution between raf and casey jones at their first meeting it was going to fight yeah look at their attitudes they're big brash dumbasses they both are, yeah. They're not gonna like butt heads and be like, "All right, let's leave each other alone." Um, like the confrontation between the turtles and the ninja foot. Like there was gonna, there was when Shredder realized who he knew, who he was fucking with, the training that they got. He yep. was, it was gonna be no peaceful solution. This foot clan had weapons. You think the turtles? What they're gonna do? Keep on, and it keeps on tying back to the uh, modern comic books. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna. Because uh, I'm I'm so itching to talk about what's happened in the in the modern Turtles comic books, and where it's going, and where I'm liking it, where it's going, and, uh-huh. and it's not it's no longer kid friendly. Just to give y'all a heads up, y'all look really. There, like I mentioned, there's death, there is insinuating of sex happening in the books with the turtles. They're no longer teenagers what? in these books. Okay. There is a, a legit mutant town. A mutant town? What the fuck? Okay, now I really need to get get back into Turtles again. And then there are people who you think are good, they turn evil. Huh. Okay. So, I was wondering, I'm loving where the comics are going, and I have, um, and Seth Rogen is producing the new Turtles movie, so. Right. I, I, I remember we've talked about that. So this is um, Turtle Train is never stopping. It's Damn, been, it's been chugging along since 1984, and it's still going on now. <laughs> so, but do they still say Cowabunga? Cowabunga to the next episode. <laughs>